The following is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, let's talk about money, something that sometimes is very uncomfortable to talk about. And I know in our marriage, at times, we felt like we sure didn't have enough of it. And like a lot of couples, we had financial stresses. So at times, it wasn't a very fun thing to talk about, even think about. Talk about what we did with kids and money. Okay. A lot of the times when I would establish some of these systems or some of these programs that we did as parents, I would look far out and say, okay, what is it we want to teach And then I'd work backwards. Okay, how can I teach that to... I think I established, so I'm going to tell you, it's called Urquhart Bank. So we did Urquhart Bank, and it actually still shows up on my digital calendar on the first of every month, because that's when we would do it, is the first of every month. And it was usually the first business day of the month, but it's still... Urquhart Bank shows up, and I figured out, okay, here are some things I want to teach my kids... How do I teach it to 10-year-olds, a 10 through 5-year-old? Because we had four kids very close together um, within five years. So part of what I figured out is if I want, and I I don't know what inflation has done to these kinds of things, but I'm going to talk about actual money and we can decide, we can see how I feel, how comfortable I feel about all that. But okay. The If I wanted my 10-year-old to have $2 to spend, and I felt like that was a fair amount for that child to have for, for spending, that was only a portion of what I would give her. Because her spending, what I said in her cart bank is you have 100% of your money, but you need to s- split it up into four categories. And my categories were long-term savings, and that would be something kind of big that they were saving for. Then short-term savings, that's something else they had to save for, but it was going to be faster. So it might be they wanted a bike was the big one, long-term savings. They wanted a Barbie, I don't know, for short-term savings. Then they needed spending because I completely understood that you need, when you get a paycheck, or at least for me, when you get, when you've been working for something and you're getting a payday, you've got to blow some of it. But if the full, if I gave her a full $20, or in this case, $10, if I gave her $10, she'd want to spend all $10 on junk. But if I knew we could establish this and that she could spend her $2 on anything she wanted without judgment from her mom, then that's what would burn the hole in her pocket. And she could spend it on. And I said, I would tell them that's going to be something that's uh, disposable. It's going to be a balloon. It's going to be food. It's going to be something that's not going to last. That's usually what the spending was. And then that left a 10%. And 10%, oh, because I didn't give you percentages. So for us, when we did that, long-term savings was 40%. Short-term savings was 30% of their income. Spending was 20% of their income. And then the last one, the last 10% was charitable contributions. 
So that was when we were churchgoers, that was our tithing. As they got older and we tithing was not the priority, it became the thing, you know, when somebody, when they were doing a raising money at school for a family in need or they were having a bake sale or, you know, anytime they were trying to raise money, that was charitable contributions. And so they got to choose where that went. They didn't have to spend it every month. They could save it and hold it and, you know, it would grow and then they could give a nice contribution once a year. I mean, it was really up to them how they wanted to do it, but that's what that money was for. How often would you do Urquhart Bank? Urquhart Bank was the first of every month. And so I had to go to the bank to get change, for, you know, small bills and coins so we could break it up. And I always got suckers, too, from the bank. So they would come one at a time and sit with through Urquhart Bank. We would go through each one. So like for Zella, if she's 10, she got $10 and we'd, she'd split it up into her different... Uh, we kept it in jars at that point, we, and she had to calculate how much she was saving in each jar, and if she was spending, she had to calculate that, too, through the month. So she had to account for her money every month. A 10-year-old could kind of do that, and we'd talk through that together. And so the older they got, they had to really manage that if they wanted to be paid, that was part of their responsibilities is to know where their money was going. We could do that, but that allowed them to be saving for big things, saving for small things, um, you know, allowed them to spend plenty and to give away. So let me let me flash forward and then you can go back, Phil, if you want. Are they using any of that? So, okay, what happened to long-term savings? Did it, did it disappear all at once on a skateboard or whatever. Any signs that uh, they learned from Urquhart Bank and are implementing it today? We did this for probably five years. And as the kids got older, like I wasn't doing this necessarily with a 15-year-old. So I kept doing it as the kids, you know, but at some point they would graduate out of it. And I would just put money in their account every month. So our two oldest daughters, I would put a regular amount in their account every single month. They didn't have to ask for it. They knew what to expect. And we had expectations on the things they would buy, the things they were responsible for, the things I would buy. And But part of when we were establishing how much we were going to give them is I, if I was going to have them be responsible for some of their spending, I needed to make sure what I was giving them could cover those things that I was saying you're responsible for. It didn't feel fair to me. And and I felt this growing up. I had to have the job. I had to earn the money. But then my parents would dictate what I was to spend it on. And that never felt right to me. I did not like that. And so it's what you said in a past podcast. In a reaction to that, my response for my own kids was to say, okay, I want you to learn how to spend and budget but I want you to, but here's the way to do it. Here's some money. Now go out and experiment and see how good you are. Some definitely early on were better than others, but I, our oldest daughter, she graduated from college a few years ago and I, she was, she got a job in the Bay area and I went out to visit her to see her new apartment, to see how she was feeling 
And she, while I was out there, she got, she'd gone from being an intern and got the formal offer. So she got a signing bonus and she got some money or she knew what she was going to make. And I said, okay, you need to create a budget and you need to be ready for, you know, as your money starts to come in. And she said, well, how do I create a budget? And I said, okay. And so this is, it's probably been six years, eight years since we'd ever even, since she did Urquhart Bank. So that didn't even occur to me. I said, you need a long-term savings. You need short-term savings. I started to go and she goes, oh, Urquhart Bank. And I said, yes, that's exactly right. (laughs) I said, those percentages might not. Yes, I'm a good mother. (laughs) I did this. (laughs) It was, it was such a nice validation of, you know, and I could say, Long-term savings is things like you want to buy a house or you want to buy a car, something big. Short-term savings still might be an outfit. It might be something more that you need. Always, every paycheck, have some spending so you can go to dinner, so you can, you know, have some entertainment and you have to decide what those percentages are. I said charitable contributions, that's just a life well lived. So, you know, but you get to decide now those percentages here's your big amount of money. And I said, but this is your first paycheck. The You are used to $0 coming in. Now you're getting this nice big paycheck. The more you can put in savings and you're still going to feel op- opulent. You're still going to feel like you have a decent amount of money coming in because it's all new. If you can establish now your savings, you're going to do far better. And she's been able to do that. Well, and, and this this also is a topic that is all you. I mean, as as you know, and I guess we should divulge to uh, our three listeners is money. Money just scares me like nothing else. And uh, so, yeah, anyone wants to talk money, I am I am truly racing out the door. And uh, you know what I love is uh, our our kids don't have that fear. I mean, to them, money is just an, an element of life, and I love that. Because I think because of Urquhart Bank, I mean, again, y'all would do Urquhart Bank and I would just flee because we're talking money. But I love that they are comfortable talking with each other. And I love that our second daughter is uh, in charge. Uh, she's given that to herself of making sure that they are investing however much they're making, that they are uh, putting some of that way in investments. And, uh, you know, I guess because it does, grades and things never scared me, but because money does, I do kind of track their while I never tracked grades, I do kind of track their money and know where they are a bit. And uh, it's it's just with delight that I do that. And I can see the results of Urquhart Bank and uh, the discipline that they have in money matters. And it's fun as uh, our third child is graduating college and starting a job. It's fun that we don't have to get on him about savings. Uh, that's something that I saw his sisters working him over when they were here uh, recently. And so I love that they have that, you know, they have they have experience with money and they did it when they're young in a way that didn't frighten them. It was just, uh, you know, they knew at the end of the day they could go get a treat or something. And so I love that they have that familiarity with the concepts and that kind of security and dealing with it and that kind of responsibility now. Well, and I'll, I'll say this, too, because we were self-employed almost our whole lives. We've had little pockets where we... We're not, but 
and had some uh, more predictability with our money. But there were times when I was going to Urquhart, or I was going to the real bank because it was time for Urquhart Bank, and I was scraping together money because we we didn't even, we barely had enough to cover what the kids needed for Urquhart Bank. But we didn't share that. They didn't know of our money woes because that was not their responsibility and that wouldn't have been, you know, and we might have said things to them if they wanted something else or can we do, can we go on a trip or can we, you know, when they're asking and I'd say just, we can't do that right now. It's not something that we can afford. You know, I, I, was afra- I wasn't afraid to share that kind of thing, but it's not like we had all the money in the world to just do this. We really, you know, it was... It was hard to make sure that was always covered. Okay, so let me ask you about that. Since we're talking about parenting and children and money, yeah, there were times when we were we were barely scraping by, but we still did go on vacations and things, uh, which of course some couples wouldn't consider that. What what share? Uh, what was your thinking on that? What was our thinking? Well, I for our kids, I wanted to make sure. That we were going to get the return on the investment for any kind of trip we were going to take. We had some uh, family members who were had kids a little older than ours that were talking about going to Disneyland and, you know, taking their very young two- and three-year-old children to Disneyland, which some families do. That's great. But we didn't have money to take a two-year-old to Disneyland, when, especially when I thought that two-year-old needs a nap which is a huge chunk of the day, the two-year-old would, it's, you know, there's so many things that child could do that would be just as pleasant. Going to the beach or a park or... I, I hope you're going with this server. I think you are. Better, better parenting through lying. It, it wasn't lying. But what I did is when, when our three or four-year-old said, what's Disneyland? And I could tell him what Disneyland, because I was honest with him. Apparently, Disneyland is a carousel outside of Kmart. No. I told them what Disneyland was, but I said, we can't go to Disneyland, but should we do something fun? And they said yes. So we literally got a roll of quarters. We went to that little Kmart carousel with the three horses on it. We let them ride as long as they wanted. Then we went inside and got ice cream. And then we went home. And they were so happy. It was one of the happiest days. And it cost us less than $10. And they were just looking for, but when they were asking for Disneyland, I knew they were too young to truly understand what that experience was. They just wanted an experience. And... Now, and, and I, I use Disneyland as an example because when they got a little older, we had that, we had that time where we were probably, I mean, where it was probably four or five years where we were hitting Disneyland three times a year. We had local passes because we somehow finagled those. Lying. And we, we would go down and we had this routine of what, you know, we'd be there two and a half days every trip. We knew what it was going to cost us. It was, you know, we were able to, again, we weren't, we didn't have a ton of money, but we were scraping by to make that happen three times a year because I knew our kids would grow out of it and they would want different kinds of trips. So it was, we had, because all our kids are really the same age. It, you know, they're all packed together. 
I knew it was this short period of time where we could really take advantage. And this was a dream come true. They could grab a partner and just take off for the day. They had some independence. I knew they would be safe. It was pretty much pre-cell phone. So we would hook up, uh, you know, at certain times a day and, and meet up. And, and it just gave them so much pleasure. I wasn't going to waste that experience when they were too young to really enjoy it. And then when it got to be, they wanted other things, we moved out of that chapter and did completely different kinds of trips. Sometimes it cost us money. Sometimes they didn't, you know, because you don't always have to spend money to have that time together. Yeah. I look back on those times. I mean, they were just, they were so awesome. And I remember uh, we would stay in the same uh, $30 night hotel in it's a little more than that, but no, no, knows at Park no, no. Place, right across no, the street. No, that was more, but I mean, uh, on the way in Barstow. Oh, in Barstow. But so funny. So we, you know, our vacations were not luxurious at all, and just cram. How many people could we cram in a room? And yeah, we were staying. I mean, Park View, right? And uh, yeah, that. No, I, mean, no, I don't. Well, whatever. Know. It worked. It worked out just just fine. But yeah, the Barstow one was a go-to, and those were our typical hotel. So I was speaking somewhere in uh, Laguna Beach, and uh, someone was putting us up. So we stayed at the uh, the Ritz Carlton in Laguna Beach. It was so freaking nice, and so. And our kids were early teenagers. No, younger than that. Younger than that, preteens. Yeah. Okay, tweens. And I guess. So, so one of our daughters says, "You know, we don't need anything." Well, super- wait. Let me set it yeah. up. We're sitting in a hot tub. The rain is pouring down. So it's this warm rain, but we're sitting in this hot tub. We're the only ones out there just laughing and talking. And she says... Yeah, and we're at the freaking Ritz-Carlton. Yes. And so she said, you know, we stay in, in different kinds of hotels. And I don't need... I don't... You know, we don't need anything super nice. But if we could stay at something this level every time, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had to explain to her this is the nicest hotel I'd ever stayed in. Yeah, we would, you know, even when we had like precious little money in the bank, we would, you know, and I think we later in life, you know, have had to make up for this uh, with college kind of pay as we go and struggle as we go a bit. We did not build up the college funds. And, uh, you know, I think we kind of did that knowing we were choosing one over the other. And I think financial planners, uh, you know, What's the guy's name? Gordon Ramsay, the chef. Who's the guy who does the money thing? Dave Ramsay. There you go. His his brother. Um, <laughs> you know he. So yeah, this is this is not a financial planning podcast. Don't listen Don't, to yeah, what do, we. If do. you care about your money, do the opposite of what we have done. But you know we knew that going along as we are going to do some vacations. We're going to spend. Uh, you know, our, our last dollars on uh, building some memories and uh, heavens, we, we don't live under a bridge yet. So I don't I don't regret those. Uh, well, yeah. And, you know, and then again, I don't pay our bills and money scares me. So you tell me we're doing OK. So don't that's yeah. Just please don't tell me otherwise. OK. So even when we are doing otherwise, my instructions are to tell tell you that we're doing OK. Uh, absolutely. If you don't want me in a fetal position for a week. You brought up college. So let's talk about that for a second, too. I paid for my college through a lot of loans, through working a lot of odd jobs. You had parents who paid for your education. So my I wanted our kids to help pay for their college. And you didn't. You wanted what you knew. 
And, you know, that took a lot of conversations to get on the same page because we're, I think we do have a history of talking it through till we we're on the same page. So our compromise uh, in that is that Steve got what he wanted and Woo-hoo. we paid for college. That actually made me very nervous because as we've stated, our kids are all packed there together. So I figured out we've been paying tuition for about the last decade and multiple kids at once, uh, multiple degrees. And it's it's been a quite a burden for us. Well, again, we so my thinking on that, I pay a lot of attention to higher ed. I work in higher ed. I chaired the state's uh, Senate Higher Education Appropriations Committee. And, you know, students who pay their own way, if they get through like you did, then, wow, I mean, that creates metal, that creates moxie, and it's a good thing. Uh, stats show that most who are paying their own way never finish. I think that College is something, if you can, and I figured we would be in a position we could if if you and I worked hard. If you can go through without working, I think that chances of graduating are greater, and I think you can get more of the college experience. But again, this is a sacrifice you and I are making. Um, You know, we sure do not have... Uh, much in retirement. I mean, we've, uh, we've... We might have to move in with one of the kids. We, we hope they do well. <laughs> um, that, that's why I'm tracking how they're doing financially. You know, so who knows? Maybe we pay a, a horrific price for it down the road. But, you know, you and I think have been all about our kids and uh, that was giving them some experiences early on that we uh, couldn't afford if we were smarter about our money. And uh, a college experience that I think they really got the most out of where we took that on ourselves and anyone's listening and wants to pay us for a job, that'd be great because we, we need the money. So tell us, talk about, because this was a lot about you too. I grew up, as I stated, in high school, I had more than one job. In college, I had, you know, at, at a time, I had multiple jobs. You did not want our kids to work. Yeah. In high school. So talk about that. Um, you know, I, I think you they're going to you hit a certain point and you just work and that's what you do the rest of your life. And I believe that kids should be kids as much as possible. And I think that people say, well, they learn so much at work. And I don't I don't know how much that is the case. Now, you and I have two good friends, Mark and Sean, that they both worked at McDonald's and they man, did they learn a lot. And they they credit that experience for a lot of the success they have had. You know, I looked at friends working in in high school, various places, and a lot of it was, you know, I mean, there is the virtue of showing up, but a lot of it was just, you know, screwing around. And Well, and you can learn the showing up on a sports well, and, team and, and a theater production. That, that was my thinking is, is, you know, you can only be on sports teams and debate and all of this for really a precious short time in life. I mean, the working, if you're going to get a high school job, we're probably talking, you know, sophomore, junior, senior, and that's three years, man, three years in a life. And I think rather than our kids working for someone who might or might not teach them good things, uh, I'd rather have them enjoying their youth. So, and part of that was our response, or part of the parameters were if you aren't doing after school activities. If you're not Absolutely. doing your homework, if you're not, then then yeah, you might need to get a job. Well, and let me, let me rephrase it. What we told them is, are you doing? Are you are you actively, eagerly doing something? Are you digging in on something? 
And I think we were pretty clear. It didn't necessarily have to be scholastic stuff and grades, but could have been music, could have been drama, been, anything. Right. Are you digging in and are you working hard at something? And that's what we said. If you're working hard at something at school, then that's cool. We'll cover uh, your expenses. But if if you're not digging in, then maybe you want to dig in at, at work. And they did have a few jobs. I mean, I want to talk at some point about Ike working for Matt Clark and the great lessons he learned there. But yeah, yeah. So I, I wanted them digging into the, the school experience. Okay. One of the last things I want to talk about, there are actually two things. One is we used money. We tried very hard to use money not to force our kids to do something. We used it to encourage, you know, rather than it being, here's this money and you only get it if you do these, you know, pretty crazy things you don't want to do. Now, there are some things, you know, they had to do jobs around the house. They had to do, they had responsibilities. So it's not like they got it for doing nothing, but it wasn't, we were trying not to force them. And and I made that a reference earlier that, you know, the house I grew up in, I made all my money and then my parents dictated how to use it, how I was to use it. And we didn't want to do that. And I, as I'm an adult. And you resent that. I do resent it. Even, you know, 30 years, 40 years later, my part of what I remember thinking or as an epiphany I had when I became an adult um, and, and a parent is I think what was happening is my parents, they were, they were pushed to their limits. They, you know, were, were spread very, very thin, but they also, they, they cared about appearances, uh, in ways that we didn't, you know, if it, meaning they, for me to do that to my kid, I'm making them buy something with their money, probably because I think it's going to look better if they have that thing. Um, I know that was my parents' motivation rather than it, you know, it's their money. If they want to buy a new pair of shoes, great. If they don't, I, unless I'm going to buy the shoes, I don't get to have a say. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, part of what we're talking about money, you know, I think that we, we lived fairly frugally. We've, we've never owned a new car, uh, mostly owned cars with a lot of miles on them and uh we're not above hand-me-downs at all and you were always shopping for deals on clothes so you know a lot of the financial decisions we made it's yeah we're not worried how we look what we drive but we are worried about good experiences for the kids and making sure they have the ability to enjoy their childhood and since you mentioned that we did buy, we did have, uh, we always, once our kids started hitting 16, we did have a car in the house that the kids had access to. That was more for our sanity. I think, it was than absolutely. And, and we paid for it. We paid for gas. We paid for insurance. We paid for the car. And these were often cars that had driven to the moon and back. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. They were very, these were n- nothing special. What, again, one reason I paid for them is I wanted to have some control over them. And I felt like it was fair because it was my car. I didn't have to control it too much, um, but I did still want that because it was it was my vehicle and I could have some control. And, you know, they had to share. They didn't all have their own car, but that's what we offered. The last thing is our kids have started to become adults. 
they, you know, we've been moving them off of our, off of, you know, we've stopped paying for some things, but we've never done the hard cutoff. We've never done, needed to do that. We've tried to ease them into it. And that sort of came naturally. I remember Zella, our oldest, she, I've mentioned this already, she got an internship. And then before she got the full job offer, here she was a graduate. She's working for a little money at this internship. And her phone completely just died. And um, she called me and said, I don't know what to do, you know, my phone. And I said, all right, you are likely going to get a job, you know, since you've just graduated. I'm going to buy this phone for you, but this will be the last phone I buy. If you, you know, and she's, she was never crazy. It's not like she lost her phones, broke her phones a ton, but I was able to say this is the last one. I was, you know, a bit ceremonious. And, but by declaring that, I thought, oh, I need to prepare her that these expenses that I've been covering, I'm no longer going to cover. These are now her responsibilities. And she was completely okay with that. Great. Thanks, mom. We bought her the phone. And, you know, within two years, it might have even been within the year, it got stolen. She didn't call to say, I need a new phone. She called to say, well, my phone got stolen and I've already gone to get a new one. I mean, she she knew what the parameters were. So I, I think we've done that a lot with the kids. I will buy you this, but it's likely going to be your last time, you know, as they're moving into adulthood. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I want to add, you know, we I think a theme that I already see in how we parented, and this is fun thinking it through is uh, we kind of hold their hands and walk through life together, learning as we go. And it's kind of a shared journey. And uh, because we've been communicative with them saying, look, financially, these are the choices we're making. We want you to have these good experiences. So please suck the marrow out of the bone and, you know, really enjoy them. They really uh, have all hustled through college. And I mean, worked hard to get scholarships and you know, they're pretty eager to start paying what they can and paying their own way. And uh, I think that's probably an important element. Maybe it has to do with the trust. I don't know. Or maybe they're just born good. But uh, no one has uh, wasted any time getting through school. As a matter of fact, you know, they're hustling through much faster than is recommended and uh, getting scholarships along the way. Yeah. And even this week, we were talking with uh, one of our kids, well, our son who's about to graduate, and I said, okay, what do you need for this next semester, finan- you know, financially? And he said, well, I'm getting this signing bonus because I'm getting this job. I should be fine. And I said, okay, that's awesome. I love that you're going to start covering your own expenses. But, I, you know, I was able to say, but this is a transition time for you. We are still a safety net as you transition into this next chapter of your life. And he was so generous. He just said, oh, mom, I know that. And I really appreciate that. But I think I've got it. And I really want to be able to do it. And I'm grateful for that. I mean, you know, to to, to have them be excited to, to, to grab the reins and take them from us. I, I love that. I'm super proud of our kids. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, one thing you said that you had kind of the ceremonial talk with Zella. This is the last phone I'll buy for you. And, you know, I want to call kind of call bunk on that. I think it's the last phone we'll buy for her unless something happens and she desperately needs us to buy her phone. I mean, I don't, you know, again, as I see how we parented, we have, okay, look, here's what we want. This is the ideal. But we don't have these hard, fast, arbitrary rules. No, you're absolutely right about that. You know, and the assumption, because she's my daughter and we've lived a life together, is all things being equal. This will be the last phone. Yeah, unless things really get screwed up along <laughs> But, yeah, of course, that we, you know, we are the safety net. And I think the kids know that. We're comfortable being that. But the ideal is they never need the safety net. Well, this this is about the longest I've ever talked about money in my life, and I'm horribly uncomfortable and ready to run out of the room. But I would suggest that we start having conversations with the kids about when they're going to start buying us bonds. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's start that up. The Perfect Parenting Podcast is a production of Vanguard Media. Steve Urquhart and Sarah Urquhart are the hosts, writers, and creators of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the executive producer. Hammond Chamberlain is the associate producer and sound engineer. And Shayla Don is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Perfect Parenting Podcast. I'm Chris Van Garrett. Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.